Well, hello and welcome to the first ever Prestige Purchasing Podcast. Our podcasts are going to take place monthly and we're going to touch on all sorts of topics affecting the food and hospitality supply chain, from farming to distribution, right through to the consumer's plate. Our ambition is to touch on all of the interesting issues around food supply chain. So my name is Stuart and with us today we have with us David Reed, the chairman of Prestige Purchasing. Welcome, David. Good morning. So we're going to talk about a few issues today. Um, we're going to touch on some uh, inflation and we're going to talk about supply chain generally. And also we're going to touch on a bit from our new spikes as well. Uh, but firstly, uh, David, inflation seems to be shooting up, uh, seems to be going up continually um, and has been for a long time. Is this going to continue? Uh, I hope not. Uh, I, and, and actually, I don't think so. Um, we've We've had... Uh, we had a long period of actual food deflation when, um, you know, for the best part of three years, the price of food was either stable or going down. And then immediately post the Brexit vote, there was um, uh, a change in the value of sterling against a whole basket of currencies. And as a result, um, gradually, not quite, quite as quickly as some people predicted, but gradually we've had some increasing inflation over the last uh, six to nine months. Um, I, I think what we will see is uh, is a peaking out during the summer of this year, um, and we'll see that starting to decline uh, into the autumn and through the winter. Um, and the reason for that is that um, uh, basically it's a one-off correction. And of course, as inflation is measured year on year, uh, you start to see the effects washing out. That's not to say that inflation will go away completely because there are a number of particular uh, product-related issues at the moment um, which will probably remain, and we're going to touch on a couple of those in this yeah. podcast. Yeah, so does that mean in the meantime, in the midterm, we don't need to worry about inflation? Uh, no. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, th I think actually the, the, the mid to long term is very, very uncertain on inflation, Stuart. And I think you know, the, 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 the key reason for that is that we have been in a position where since 1973 we've been in the European Union and therefore our food policy has been uh, dictated to by the common agricultural policy. And, you know, like it or, or loathe it, and there are plenty of people that don't like or admire the common agricultural policy, it has led to a reasonable degree of stability. And, of course, what's happening now is that the government uh, now in the next uh, 18 months, two years, has got to invent a food policy for the UK. And that carries a lot of uncertainty around it in terms of what impacts that's going to have on inflation. OK, so uh, what are the big issues around food policy? Well, um, we, we, we actually we held a dinner this week with um, a number of uh, CPOs, procurement officers of um, large catering businesses, and had a long discussion um, alongside Helen Browning, who is the CEO of the Soil Association, uh, who is setting up a commission to help advise the government on future food policy. And it, it seemed to us from those discussions that there were quite a few kind of key issues. Um, the, the, the first one is really around um, do we grow or do we trade? 
And there are some interesting noises coming out of DEFRA at the moment. The, the government is going to take a fairly relaxed view about uh, supporting uh, farming into the future and that there, is a, there, there may be a view emerging that we can uh, trade more on food and therefore have less reliance on what we grow at home. Now, you know, at, at the moment, um, around um, 60% of what we eat is grown in the UK. And if that were to change uh, fundamentally, in other words, if we became less self-reliant on our own farming, um, I think there are some real security of supply risks, which in, in, uh, in due course, of course, could lead to uncertainty of pricing. And particularly... If we, if we end up importing more food from other countries, it leaves us very exposed to things like fluctuations in exchange rates, to, uh, to, to major um, uh, food crises in other countries and so on. So I, I, I think the government's going to have to think really hard about what it does with the future of British farming. Is there um, an opportunity for that to damage industry as far as jobs as well? Uh, well, yes. I mean, the the, the whole agri-food agri, um, sector uh, is about 13% of the employment in the, in the entire economy. But of course, the farming sector is actually quite small. Yeah. Um, the, 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 so, so it's not going to, it won't have a huge impact. In fact, Labour is is actually quite a big issue for um, uh, for farming right now, as it is for food service, because um, if there are um, uh, strong immigration restrictions put on um, after Brexit, then actually getting labour to pick fruit, um, uh, to work as farmhands and so on, is going to be uh, a big problem too. And that too actually could have, um, uh, even if we don't import lots of food, it, it could have um, a very negative effect upon uh, upon price. Okay, so are there any other major ones as far as decisions to be made? Well, the, <laughs> yeah, there's loads. Um, pr- probably the biggest one of all is um, is what happens with farm subsidy. Um, very simply, um, we, and this really is high level numbers, but we pay, uh, as a nation, we pay about £7 billion into the EU each year. Um, and of course, that £7 billion is where the £350 million a week stuff came from on the yeah. side of the Brexit bus. You know, I think it's something like 40% of that £350 million. So it's, 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 it's quite interesting that that was money paid out to Brussels. But of course, the reality is that um, three billion of that is paid straight back to farmers yeah. uh, in the form of two types of payment. One is uh, farm subsidy, um, which, by the way, is over fifty percent of incomes of uh, uh, of farmers on average in the UK, um, and the other is a um, is a rural uh, environmental development scheme that allows uh, funds to flow in for investment. So and then there's about one and a half billion of uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher's Maastricht rebate, which also flows back to us. So yeah. we're 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 actually only something like two billion net contributors to CAP. But the common agricultural policy is important because we're going to have to make some decisions about what happens to that money because we're not going to be p- pushing it over to Brussels anymore. Uh, and there is there are some real anxieties and some genuine ones amongst the farming community about what will happen to those subsidy payments. Now, there are lots and lots of arguments, which I won't go into in detail here. But basically, um, uh, if you've got over 50 percent of your income coming from subsidy, a, any major change to policy 
it, you know, done very quickly could actually have a very detrimental effect upon production and on price. Mm. Um, and you know, nobody thinks, I don't think, that farm subsidy to that level and extent is a good thing because it, no. it, it encourages inefficiency and all those kind of things. But there needs to be sensible transition arrangements and, and actually some really good incentives put in place for farmers to do to become more efficient, to do more innovation and so on. So that's a big issue. Wow, yeah, lots lots and lots to talk about. Yeah. So I'm going to move us on because next month we have the wonderful Helen Browning from the Soil Association coming in to speak to us about that in much more depth. So in the meantime, if there's uh, anyone listening right now that... Um, wants to get in touch or has any questions or wants to be involved in any way around the topics we just talked about uh, what should they do um, well quite simply uh, you can uh, you can um, go on our website um, find my phone number and phone me um, because we're very very active as an organization at the moment in trying to uh, support this work um, on making sure that food policy actually fits what our individual sector you know the food service and hospitality sector needs. Um, so you can phone me and get involved that way, or you can email stuart.read at prestige-purchasing.com, and that's S-T-U-A-R-T. Okay, fantastic, brilliant. So every month we also publicise a, a news publication, which is um, called News Bites, uh, which touches on all of the interesting stories from the month um, in food service and uh, supply chain. Uh, if you're not signed up for that already, please do go ahead and do so. You can do that on our website. Um, but I thought we'd just touch on a few of those stories today and, uh, sure. and get your opinion on things while you're here. So, uh, <laughs> come on, avocados, they're in the news <laughs> all the time at the moment. Um, what's going on? Can you give us some insight on what's happening with them? Um, yeah, that, it's, it's, a, it's a complex picture, but um, uh, avocados have been shooting up in price um, for some time now. And a bit like salmon, which I've no doubt we'll also talk about, it seems like it's an unrelenting uh, up, upward spiral. Um, uh, avocados are similar in many respects to things like coffee, where you know you can't just increase production immediately. It takes time to grow mm. a tree, to get it into fruit and so on. So... Um, the, the the big thing is demand. Um, yeah. You know, the Mexican food has left Mexico and is now spreading all over the world big time. Yeah. Uh, and of course, avocado has a major part to play in Mexican uh, uh, cooking. Um, but you know, you only have to look on Instagram every day and look at anything, any bit of food. You'll you'll suddenly see poached eggs with avocados on toast, like on every second picture. It's number one hipster food, isn't it? It is the number one <laughs> hipster food, um, and and uh, and apparently there seem to be an awful lot of hipsters in China, because <laughs> because imports of avocados into China have absolutely gone ballistic and. Yeah. Uh, so as a result, you you we really have a demand issue, a supply and a simple uh, supply and demand issue. Mm. But at the same time, we have a kind of production problem as well, in that um, avocados are kind of both bipolar. Really, they have on years and off years. You know, they have they have years when when the amount of fruit is very large, and then they have a rest year when they take it easy and perhaps they're feeling a bit a bit down. Nice for some. Um, and so, as a as a result, you uh, th this year particularly is a down year uh, for lots of avocados. <laughs> I don't ask me why. Um, there's also there's also the import tax from Trump, isn't there? Is uh, is that having any effect on it at all? 
Uh, yeah, I, th- I, 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 I guess it is. Um, uh, I, I think there's been some problems with uh, Mexico harvests as well. Mm. Um, there's been uh, a drought in California, which has seriously affected production in uh, the southern United States. So all of those things have also um, impacted uh, avocados. And yeah, I mm. think I think w- is it going to stay as bad as it is now? Probably not. But it, is it going to be a steady increase? Um, yeah, because avocados will remain i think um uh, very very popular and a growth thing yeah. and uh, and it will take time for production to catch up okay um well we've also we've, we've also been hearing a bit this month about um a uk drought uh we talk about obviously we talk quite a lot about uh, seasonality within news bites and how that can affect uh, supply chain um, but uh, we're hearing a lot about a UK drought at the moment, which um, which seems utter madness when you look at the downpours that we had last week. Yeah, yeah. well, we do. It, it, it's interesting that if you read a little bit about weather patterns, um, our weather patterns have been changing significantly. Um, you know, it, I mean, back in the days when, when I was a young man, um, uh, springtime was basically day after day after day of, uh, of showers and sunshine. And... Um, you, you only have to look at the weather reports in the last couple of months. It's been um, lots and lots and lots of very dry days, and then yeah. suddenly big bursts of very heavy rain, and mm. that um, that appears to be the pattern now. And it was, I was really interested to read that you know we we are now in the driest spring for six years, um, uh, and the driest winter for twenty years. So it's wow. uh, um, it, it, it is undoubtedly going to um, have some impact. I mean, spring wheat and barley have already, you know, pr- production has already been affected. Mm. Um, but of course, if, if the weather pattern does change, and we all know that the one thing that's certain in the UK is that weather, weather, the weather patterns are uncertain. Um, if the weather patterns do change, and currently the mid-range forecast is that we will have a wetter second half to the spring, yeah. then actually production in the UK won't get too badly affected. And you know, it does pose some interesting questions post-Brexit. Um, if we do um, maintain and grow our farming sector, we need to make sure that there's enough water for it because um, yeah. our reliance on imports will be um, uh, increased. But you know, I think... It's early days to say it's a problem, is all I would say right okay. now. Well, that's good news then. Well, and finally, um, it wouldn't be a, a news bites conversation or, or a prestige conversation for that matter if we didn't talk about salmon. Uh, so what's going on there? Well, uh, it's it, uh, salmon is a story of lice, damn lice and statistics. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it Put simply, um, the majority of the world's salmon is farmed in three countries, um, Scotland, Norway and Chile. Uh, there is a big lice issue um, which doesn't seem to be uh, going away yet mm. um, and you know we we produce 178,000 metric tons of salmon in Scotland every year and just a little over half of that is um, is is used by UK consumers the rest okay. is exported um, it's a really volatile market, salmon, at the moment. Um, we're seeing volatility month on month of you know, swings up and down of up to 10%. Um, and I, uh, for the time being, I don't think that's likely to change. Um, marine harvest, who, uh, as everyone will know, who, who's in the food sector, a big, big uh, producer of salmon, um, 69% of their farms are notifiable at the moment with... Um, 
uh, with sea lice. So wow. it, that's that's a, that's a pretty big uh, proportion. Yeah, it's a big number. So there's a, there's a lot of work going on um, in uh, in the production market. Things like uh, using um, lump fish and ballonras to uh, mix into the salmon to eat the sea lice off of the salmon. Uh, things like washing the fish in warm water to re- to remove the lice, which apparently in one case ended up with a huge amount of poached salmon. <laughs> um, uh, there are things like stingray devices they're trialling, which literally shoot the lice off of the fish with lasers, which sounds fun to me. Yeah. Um, and, and cages which keep salmon at lower depths where the sea lice uh, larvae can't survive. So there's a lot of um, innovation going on, um, but at the moment... Um, there is still mm. a big problem with sea lice and, and, and it has not gone away. Mm. Oh dear. Well, let's hope at least one of these things work uh, and we can start getting our supply back. Indeed. Brilliant. Well, I think we're pretty much out of time. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today, David. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you. If any of these topics uh, that we talked about today are of any interest to you or if any of them affect your business, please do feel free to get in touch. My email address is stuart.reed at prestige-purchasing.com. That is S-T-U-A-R-T dot R-E-A-D at prestige-purchasing.com. And don't forget to sign up for our News Bites if you haven't done so already. You can do that at our website, which is www.prestige-purchasing.com. Next month, we'll be joined by Helen Browning, the CEO of the Soil Association, and we'll be taking a much deeper look at how the government's future food policy can affect the hospitality industry in a post-Brexit Britain. Um, Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time.